Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What is up? This is The Last Laugh. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast, and today on the show, we have a guy who always makes me laugh, Jimmy O. Yang. Like most people, I first encountered Jimmy as Jin Yang on HBO's Silicon Valley. And as with his co-star, Thomas Middleditch, who was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, it would be easy to believe he's actually like that character in real life. That's what makes his new stand-up special such a revelation. In Good Deal, which is available to stream now on Amazon, Jimmy introduces his real self to the world for the first time. And his story, which includes moving from Hong Kong to Los Angeles at 13 years old before ultimately finding comedy as an outlet in college, is wild. In this clip from the special, he talks about what it's like to get recognized by fans who were too scared to come up to him just in case they're wrong. I see a lot of people out here in the streets, they want to come up to me, but they're not really sure. <laughs> There's a lot of debate amongst their friends. They're like, hey man, are you sure that's him? <laughs> if we go up there, we got to be sure. Because if we go up there and it's not him, we're going to look super racist. <laughs> are you sure that's not Ken Jeong? I don't know, it looks kind of like Ali Wong, I don't know. <laughs> and they come up to me, it's always like the first thing they say, like, hey, hey man, aren't you that dude Jing Yang from that show Silicon Valley? And I was like, oh, oh thanks, thanks, thank you. And I'm like, yeah, 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 thank you, thank you, I appreciate that, yeah, I am. And then they're like, oh shit, I didn't even know you speak English in real life. I'm like, it's called acting, motherfucker. Before we get to our interview, in which Jimmy also talks about what it's like to be Asian American in the time of the coronavirus, I need to ask you for a quick favor. If you're enjoying this show, please go on Apple Podcasts, hit that five-star button, and leave us a review. Let us know which episodes have been your favorite so far and who you want to hear next. Okay, here's me and Jimmy O. Yang. Thanks for, thanks for doing this. How's, your, um, how's, how's quarantine life been for you so far? You know, uh, it's it's not as bad as I thought. I've just been cooking a lot. It gives me time to write and think about more stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and I mean, <laughs> uh, watching the news is not very fun. Um, no. <laughs> but you know, at least there's uh, Animal Crossing now. So. Oh yeah. You know? that's good. Um, yeah, you've been trying to limit your news intake. Yeah, I think so. You, you know what? I my guilty pleasure is I watch the local news. Yeah. Yeah, that, it makes me that, feel a little more connected, and it's just slightly less serious. And and uh -huh. these days, you know what's fun? It's because uh, everybody's recording from home, like we are right now. Yeah, uh, you get to see all the local weathermen's house mm -hmm. to see how they live in. You know, <laughs> uh, like who's making the real money yeah. in, in this news station? It's very interesting. Yeah, it's very odd to see everybody's houses on TV. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but uh but yeah i i wanted to have you on the podcast because you have this uh this comedy special coming out that i i just yeah, got to see the, i just got to see the screener of and uh really really enjoyed it um, oh thanks that's yeah, awesome a good deal on amazon uh amazon prime um mm-hmm. so yeah i mean i think i i didn't really think of you as a as a stand-up um you know because mostly i you know know you from from silicon valley which i'm sure a lot of people do mm-hmm. but i know you've been doing stand-up for quite a quite a while right Going on probably 11 years now. That's yeah. how I started. I started as a stand-up and then the acting thing absolutely came second mm-hmm. a few years into stand-up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess ever since the acting thing started, it's been going pretty well and I haven't had a lot of time to do stand-up. So mm-hmm. this, this was a thing I really wanted to set out to do because the people that only know me as an actor, I'm like, no, no, you get to, you should know the real <laughs> me. This is how yeah. I started and this is what I'm about, man. Mm-hmm. I really want to prove myself once again as a stand-up comedian. So, um, yeah, I set aside like, I mean, it's 10 years of material. Some are mm-hmm. new, some yeah. have been thrown out, some have been renewed, you know, uh, but it's 10 years of material cramped into this hour special. And then I set aside like about six months to really go on the road and grind it out, mm-hmm. you know, like anybody would uh, do in a stand up special. So absolutely. I want to approach this absolutely as a stand up, not just an actor yeah. trying to do a stand up mm-hmm. special because at heart I'm a stand up. So I just want people to see that. Yeah, it's funny. It's like people's uh, when they talk about first albums of bands. It's like everything that they they put into that uh, their whole career to that point is gets in that first album. So it is really strong. Right. A lot of really good also, material. Like, first season of TV shows, it's always yeah. the best, right? And then they got a sophomore slump a lot. Yeah, of the time. yeah. So <laughs> you don't have to worry about that yet. You you just got this new special out now. Um, yeah. So how did you how did you start doing comedy, um, doing stand up when you when you first started? Man. I was just bored, to be honest. I was bored yeah. and desperate. I mean, <laughs> in, in in order to type in like local open mics on your Google search engine, you're like one step away from typing in what's the best way to kill myself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's, <laughs> it, I don't want to get that dark, but I mean, it is because open mics suck. Yeah. Like, I had to pay $5 to go to North Hollywood to the Haha ha Comedy Club. Yeah. Pay $5 to get on stage five minutes with like in front of five pissed off comics mm-hmm. that don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. But as bad as maybe that sounded, I mean, at the time, it was a great alternative to me doing nothing, you yeah. know, or me going into finance, which is what I studied in college. Yeah. Uh, were you in and, college when you started or were you, had you just graduated? Or? Yeah, I think it was a summer between junior and soft, uh, junior and senior year. Mm-hmm. And the panic started to set in. You're just like, oh, my God, what am I going to do yeah. for the rest of my life? Am I going to sit behind a desk and be a fucking financial advisor? Yeah. So I just started trying different <laughs> things and stand-up was one of those things. And my dad lived in Torrance. So I would drive all the way from Torrance to North Hollywood because the mm-hmm. Haha Comedy Club was the only consistent open mic in LA that was every night that you can get on, but you just gotta pay five bucks. So that was like an hour, hour and a half drive every day. But yeah. I did it and uh, I loved it because I immediately found found like a new group of friends. I saw just like a little peak of light. Through the mm-hmm. window, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. if I get really good at this, I can make a lot of friends. Maybe I can meet some girls. And uh, there's a whole new world out here. I didn't think about it as a career. I just yeah. thought about it as, you know, uh, uh, a new life kind of. And yeah. uh, it, it, and then so it started off just one day at the open mic. And then the next week I was going every day, every day, mm-hmm. every day. That was my thing, my escape. Yeah. Um, and then when I went back to college, my senior year, uh, I got a job at the Comedy Palace in San Diego, mm-hmm. uh, which is called the Greek Palace during the day. So it's a Greek restaurant during the day. And it converted to a comedy club at night. And I worked the door. I answered the phones, folded envelopes. I did everything to kind of learn my ropes. 
when you were starting, who were the people that you did you really love stand up as a as a fan? Did you? I did. Were there people that you loved? I watched uh, a lot of urban stand-up, uh, mm-hmm. BET Comic View, and of course, the Chappelle show was huge. Yeah. If you didn't watch the Chappelle show on a Wednesday, you show up to school Thursday, you got nothing to talk about. Yeah, yeah. And of course, Chappelle's stand-up, George Lopez was huge. Mm-hmm. And I think um, those two, especially like somebody like George, who came from an immigrant family, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like myself, I'm, I came in when I was 13, so I'm even more of a fresh off the boat immigrant, you know? Yeah. But he talked about the outsider point of view, making fun of his aunt, his, uh, his, his family, his mm-hmm. parents and stuff. Even though I wasn't Latino, I related to that. I was like, oh my God, this is so interesting. These people yeah. are real. I can relate to it, even though I, I don't speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I always wanted to do with uh, Asian stuff, because I didn't yeah. see too much of that. Mm-hmm. Growing up, I saw Ken Jong on Showtime at Apollo as a stand-up. Yep. Yeah. He was still going by Dr. Really Ken. early on, yeah. Yeah, that was amazing. He got standing. Oh, I thought that dude was badass. Uh, I saw Bobby Lee on Matt TV. I watched mm-hmm. Matt TV every Saturday instead of SNL. Yeah. And then... Um, because of Bobby couple, Lee or because just because you like the show more? I like the show more and Bobby Lee because... Yeah. Um, especially like this was, what, 10, 15 years ago? Mm-hmm. When you see an Asian brother, Asian sister on TV, that was huge. Yeah. Like, that's what we tuned in. Like, we got the NBA League Pass because of Yao Ming. Yeah. You know? And before that, Wang Juju, which is like a backup, uh, you mm-hmm. know, uh, center. Yeah. And um, those things were huge. So and that's how me and my dad bonded over like a lot of Bobby Lee skits. And like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, I'm like, dad, watch this Ken Jong guy, too. Um, and, and then, you know what? In high school, I remember when that fan won last comic standing. Yeah. It was a huge deal. It's like, yo, did you see that Vietnamese brother winning that? That was cool, right? <laughs> And and of course, like I wasn't a stand up buff back then. I know that he, you mm-hmm. know, his career has been controversial in the stand up world. Yeah. Uh, um, and uh, but I've always been a fan of his because he he was like a like groundbreaking comic. What was your material like at the at the beginning? Is there anything that you were doing then that actually is in the in the new special? I don't think there was anything I was doing then in the very beginning. There are some very old, old jokes that I've revamped kind of mm-hmm. for the special. Uh, maybe one or two, but mostly it's pretty current stuff. Yeah. And uh, I think everybody starts off in the beginning. First of all, you talk about jerking off, right? That's yeah. the every hack open <laughs> micro joke. Uh, uh, and then you talk about, like, for me, the generic Asian jokes. You mm-hmm. know, I think you still look on YouTube. There's a video for me. I long hair wearing a white stripe button up um, at the Comedy Palace. Oh, yeah. Uh, I got to look that from, up. Like, yeah, from like 10 years ago. <laughs> Ashamed to say this, I used to tell people I was Jackie Chan's son to pick up chicks. <laughs> look, look, it, it worked until they met my dad, and he looks more like Mr. Miyagi with a shaved head. <laughs> if you can picture that, he looks like the Chinese Mr. Clean. <laughs> my friend just called him Mr. Cream. <laughs> I still enjoy those jokes, like, but that was like me a year or two in a stand-up, mm-hmm. which um, not to pat my younger self on the back but a year or two in the stand I was pretty good but you can tell those material was very generic I yeah. haven't dug deep to talk about really my truth my family where I came from mm-hmm. and I think this is what I try to do in the special now just yeah. to talk about you can still talk about stereotypes like I talk about the uh Asian the Asian I have an Asian dick joke right? yeah but it's 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 kind of trying to subvert the the standard mm. stereotype and turn into his head. I have an Asian math joke also. But these are all jokes based on my own experience, my own stories, instead of just generic stereotypes. 
And I think that's what differentiates newer comics to like somebody that has graduated from that and um, is willing to kind of, I guess, open up a little bit, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there is such a difference between joking about a stereotype and and furthering a stereotype. And sometimes people confuse those two things. And I'm sure you've you've dealt with that in your career, whether it's um, oh, absolutely, you know, man. doing an accent on uh, Silicon yep. Valley or do you know, yeah. and you actually joke in in the special about how you how people fans think that you have an accent and they're surprised when right. they come up to you and you don't. Um, yeah, which so, is a compliment to my acting in a way, yeah. I guess, right? <laughs> they believed my character. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah, a lot of people, you know, this is one of the big reasons why I want to do this special. A lot of people thought I am just that foreign guy on mm-hmm. Silicon Valley instead of an all-around actor and, and comedian. Um, but yeah, I definitely, those are the more current material, like how people are responding to me when they see me in the streets, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, stuff like that. And uh, this newfound i guess success but that's a very d-list whatever mm-hmm. uh, uh, uh haphazard thing um like, a bit of a self-deprecation humor but at the same time you know i just want to share the truth that you know because they always think like oh man what if i do this joke and then somebody copies my joke you just talk about your own truth nobody nobody can talk about like nobody's gonna steal my joke about coming to this country when i was 13 yeah you know or playing jing yang or whatever mm-hmm. and um yeah, uh, without being too preachy, I think for me, funny always comes first. Mm-hmm. And then I try to all tie it together to, especially, I think it will, it, it's it's important to hear uh, Asian people saying they can definitely relate. They're like, oh my God, that's so true. My dad, my mom does the same thing. I grew up just like that. Yeah. Uh, but then it's also very important for somebody like you, who's not Asian, mm-hmm. watching it and be like, yo, that that's funny. I can still relate to that, you know? Yeah, that's definitely really important to be able to, you know, have, I think it's, you have this very specific uh, material that then becomes very universal when that everyone yeah. can can find it Which funny. Which is what I love about George Lopez, because it, it's shine light in what a Latino family would be like, and familiarizes yourself. And uh, you almost feel like now you know a Latino friend and his mm. family. I want to yeah. be that kind of Asian guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I'm sure when Latinos watch his special, they're like, oh my God, that's so true. And now I feel a little yeah. more normal. So mm-hmm. it, 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 I hope it plays both sides and, and uh, it should. You know? Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned you came to from Hong Kong to LA when you were 13, which mm-hmm. I'm sure was not the, the easiest age to, uh, oh, to, nah. to come to a new country, a new school and not, not yeah. speak the language. Um, so what was that like for you? And what, what did you kind of face when you when you arrived in a man, I mean, 13 is a weird age for anyone. Uh, yeah. Now I have to go to a new country, a new continent, speak a new language. Mm-hmm. I, I talked about this in the special. Yeah. I learned how to speak English, like how American kids learn how to speak Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> but I, if I would have, I would have dropped you off when you were 13 mm-hmm. in, in Tijuana, you would have just died. Probably. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not easy. Like, I couldn't understand the simplest like slang terms. I felt like mm-hmm. people was talking too fast. So I watched a lot of TV, namely BET, yeah. to kind of learn mm-hmm. a lot of my English. So there was a learning curve. I was in all the ESL classes paired up with all the foreign kids. So it wasn't like my first year of school and middle school. It wasn't even about like making friends or being popular, mm-hmm. like what other 13-year-old kids would be worried yeah. about. I was just trying to survive. Yeah. You know, just trying to find that one friend and not get beat up, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, but luckily I think that's where I developed some of the humor, even though my mm-hmm. English wasn't that good. Like I know how to have a comeback or like whatever, mm-hmm. and kind of talk smart, stand up for myself. 
So that kind of carried me a long way. And being kind of like the funny, weird foreign guy um, became kind of my identity. Mm-hmm. Instead of just being weird, I was I was trying to be funny, you know, at least. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So by the time I get to high school and like, um, you know, the next year, I already had one year of training. Mm-hmm. So like, and, and, and that was tremendously helpful. Um, I know that there's been, you know, unfortunately, during this uh, time that we're in now with coronavirus, a lot of anti-Asian racism going oh, yeah, on, man. sort of resurgence of it. So I was curious, is that something that you've actually experienced at all um, in these well, last I don't go outside. Uh, couple months? Well, so, sure. Yeah. I don't go outside, <laughs> so I don't know. But it is something I see in the news, and it's extremely disheartening, especially because recently we've made so much representation, uh, representation progress in Crazy Rich Asians, and now everybody's career is doing pretty well, and hopefully yeah. we open some doors for the younger generation. And it's extremely disheartening to see those kind of racism in the news. Um, but there, I feel like there's just always going to be ignorant people out there, mm-hmm. and then I try to do my best job, like, you know what I'm saying, like with the stand-up special, and so now you feel like you know... Uh, intimately this Asian brother and his family. Mm-hmm. And maybe that will help uh, through humor, just like what Richard Pryde did back in the day, you mm-hmm. know, um, just to kind of be the friendly face. I think that's what I can do best as an entertainer to entertain, make you forget about it for, you know, a bit. And then uh, hopefully everybody kind of, I, I don't have any suggestions of what they should do. Yeah, You know, uh, I never want to suggest violence or, or uprising or anything like that Mm -hmm. but um it sucks uh i definitely empathize um but you know for me i'm lucky enough to be in the position where i can use humor i can use different mediums like writing stories that matter to me authentic asian american stories Mm -hmm. uh and 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 that um to hopefully uh uh, be a stand-up you know citizen to others coming up Jimmy talks about how he landed that career-making part on Silicon Valley and why he thought it all might come crashing down when T.J. Miller left the show in dramatic fashion. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. So going back to sort of your your comedy and your how you started was there a point when you did start transitioning from stand up to some acting stuff? And what were those, what were those early experiences Man, like of, of starting to, try know, to get acting work? So when I graduated, I never thought I was going to be an actor. Uh, mm-hmm. I was hoping my goal in stand up, like two years in stand up, it's find a college agent. I'm going to go tour some colleges mm-hmm. and make like maybe 50 grand a year to sustain my rent. Yeah. I, so the goal wasn't that big. Uh, but 
when I moved back to LA after college from San Diego, um, I started getting some auditions. I found this agent mm-hmm. and, uh, she would, I, I mean, I just wanted to audition for some commercials because I heard mm-hmm. other buddies, at the comedy store, they were in the background of this vodka commercial and they upgraded them to a sack player. And now they got mm-hmm. a sack card, they yeah. got 50 grand in residual, just standing next to this yeah. motherfucker. Make like, some uh, good money in commercials. Yeah, exactly. That's all I wanted to do. I just want to make money, sustain myself. Never thought I was an actor, never proclaimed to be an actor. But then this agent kind of, I guess, took a chance and threw me into some like two lines here for uh, Modern Family, two lines mm-hmm. for Two Broke Girls, just auditions. And yeah. I was completely lost. <laughs> some acting classes, theater classes at, uh, in college. But auditions is a totally different process. And once again, yeah. I, I didn't graduate with a, you know, a theater degree. Mm-hmm. So I was like, damn, but this is a real good opportunity. You know, not every comic gets to do this. So I think yeah. that's one good thing about comedians turning into actors. We appreciate it because we've mm-hmm. been through that bullshit grind. Yeah. You know, so we appreciate every single audition, every job we get, and we're never late to set. Yeah. Um, but the auditions so, didn't go well uh, or as well as you wanted them to? The well, early ones? I don't think anybody's audition goes well <laughs> in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, so I just I spent a lot of money, all my money that I would make just doing little gigs here and there on stand up. Mm-hmm. I used all that money to take acting classes. Oh, OK. And after a few of those classes, I kind of got an understanding. And then I got I landed a part, two lines of two broke girls, mm-hmm. failed on a bunch more auditions. And I started getting little parts. I got a guest star part on Always Sunny. I was mm-hmm. super nervous. Yeah, uh, that's exciting. You know, Charlie Day and everybody. But then, you know, every step was just like a confidence builder, you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of times auditioning is about confidence. Uh, and I think I always came from like that real perspective as a real person on screen because I was mm-hmm. never like an actor, like a stage actor, yeah. or like whatever. So uh, um, I just always try to be real. And uh, mm-hmm. still till today, my characters are trying to be like that, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And then with Silicon Valley, started off as a two-line part. Yeah, and then it did just you audition, to did you audition for that? I did audition for it twice. Uh, in the beginning, Jing Yang was a much bigger part in this initial pilot that they wrote. Yeah. Uh, and the initial pilot's interesting because Richard has already sold his company to like uh, Google for like $100 million or oh, whatever, okay. or he's about yeah. to. But then they rewrote the entire pilot and in the process, the Jing Yang characters were written out of it, right? Mm-hmm. So I never got a call back. I thought I just didn't get the part, but I guess they never shot that version of the pilot. Yeah. So the, the original audition was for that larger role. Yeah. So, and then the second audition, now Jing Yang only had two lines in that first episode, mm-hmm. uh, episode three, I think. Yeah. And I auditioned for it. I got that part. Never thought it would be anything else. Mm-hmm. And then I remember I'm, First time meeting everyone that day. And then Zach Woods came up to me. He's like, hey, man, you're funny. Um, and uh, I'm really excited about your stuff coming up with the fish stuff the next episode. I was like, what are you <laughs> talking about? Because I haven't read the scripts in advance. Yeah. I was just a nothing guest star. Yeah. And they have because they're the regulars. They're like, oh, you got this really funny thing with TJ with the fish thing. So and then I got a call in two weeks. I came back. And that's when, you know, I eat the fish scene came about. I eat the fish. I understand you eat the fish. But when you clean the fish, you can't just leave the fish head and guts and shit in the sink because the whole house smells like a bait station. So you got to put it in the trash and then take the trash out. Do you understand? Yes, I eat the fish. Motherfuck! Do you understand? Yes. And tomorrow is trash day, so make sure all the cans are out front. Yes. Now, you are under no circumstances to order any movie on demand, adult or otherwise. Yes. 
Okay, has anything that I've just said confused you? Yes. God damn it! So then I think in the first season, I did three episodes, you mm-hmm. know, and I was getting paid like 900 bucks an episode as a sad yeah. standard rate guest star. Uh, but I was so happy. That was my first recurring role, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually used that money. I wrote about this in my book. I used that $2,700 as a down payment for a 2006 Prius <laughs> so I can start driving Uber so I can sustain myself. Yeah, you so know? You're, driving, you're driving Uber during, uh, were you driving Uber once the show had come out or before Absolutely, it came out? Absolutely, between the first and second season. Yeah. But my part was so small, nobody knew who I nobody was. Nobody recognized you. Right. Even yeah. if they did, they don't want to assume. They're not going to assume an Uber yeah. driver is this guy on TV. Yeah, that's you like know? your bit in your special too about how uh, people exactly. are too scared to come up to you. Yeah, because if they get it wrong, they look super racist. You know. <laughs> um, anyway, so by the second season, uh, I guess they liked me enough. They signed me up as mm. a series regular, mm. and that was a big moment. I knew that was like kind of life changing. I got paid a little more money. And, you know, series regular, it's like kind of where everybody wants to be, mm-hmm. you know, when you first start, you know, in acting, because now you're a real actor, you're mm-hmm. a paid actor on a contract. And especially on a show like Silicon Valley, I was over the moon, man. Yeah. And the six years of Silicon Valley, I would say that was my acting school. That was my comedy, everything. That was my mm-hmm. grad school. You yeah. Know? So what I did you feel like so you, much. what did you feel like you learned and, and who did you learn it from on that set really? The, oh, I about, think about I acting? Mean, season two, something just clicked between me and TJ or our mm-hmm. characters, you know, yeah. uh, I felt very loose on set. Um, it was never like stressed out going on set, trying to memorize my lines. It was never mm-hmm. about that. I just knew I was going to go on set and have fun. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, Mike Judge and uh, Alec Berg uh, at Village and the other writers, I just knew if I made them laugh in Village, mm-hmm. if I hear a little chuckle of Video Village, I know I did my job. So I'm just very loose. I took a lot of chances and I mm-hmm. had a lot of ideas every day coming in. Yeah. Um, and we just had so much fun, man. And TJ is so good and so alive. Mm-hmm. And he would like, uh, you never you never know what to expect from him, you know, yeah. uh, in a take. So you got to be on your toes. You got to listen, which is what a lot of actors and comedians especially don't do because mm-hmm. we're so used to just talking by ourselves. So he really taught me I need to listen and just be on my toes and be ready, you know, uh, when he throws different things at me. And then, of yeah. course, reading all the great scripts from all mm-hmm. the great writers. These are the best of the best. Yeah. Um, it definitely sets my standards very high in my head of future scripts I'm going to read. So mm-hmm. um, and and just behind the scenes stuff, uh, how many people it takes, uh, the technical of it uh what a dolly means on the camera you know just basic (laughs) stuff but uh really i think acting with those great improvisers like thomas zach everyone uh, Mm -hmm. tj martin it's it's it it was an incredible experience and coming out of it i mean i had all the confidence in the comedy you know that i was gonna do in the future and i couldn't thank them enough it's really what changed my career you know yeah i know um you talked about a little bit when when tj miller left the show that you Mm -hmm. weren't sure what that would mean for your character because you guys were such a a duo on the show Mm -hmm. um what was that like for you when when he left and i know there was it was obviously a lot of uh drama about it at at least in the press sure um when he left, he called me one night. It was like midnight. He was like, hey, man, I don't think I'm going to come back next season. That was his choice. You mm-hmm. know, uh, and I, you know, I had to, I, he was my partner on the show. And yeah. I was like, dude, you should stay, man. Come on, man. Mm-hmm. Like I was, 
financially worried for myself. I was yeah. like, oh, now they're just going to write my character off. But, yeah. you know, I, I was sad. To me, that was an end of an era for me. Mm-hmm. Like, Silicon Valley ended twice for me, you know? Mm-hmm. So it ended the first time TJ was gone. So for a lot of people, it, it was, uh, I guess, the same show, just without mm-hmm. this character. But for me, it became a different show. Yeah. Honestly, I've only interacted with uh, uh, Richard Hendricks maybe once and maybe the other characters <laughs> yeah. once. And mm-hmm. now I get to explore. And ex- so for my character, I was, it's a totally different show for me. Yeah. But luckily, uh, they, my part actually became bigger. I think I absorbed mm-hmm. some of Eric Bachman's stuff. And it became yeah. really fun. I, I think season five, I became somewhat of a villain. And I, I, mm-hmm. I, I have this really bad habit of reading like Reddit comments. <laughs> and like the first few episodes, people absolutely hated my character. Really? And yeah, they're like, oh, he's not even making sense. Like, why is he being such an asshole to these guys that we love? You know? Yeah. Uh, I hate and like, and then I, I was like, oh, damn. But then I think it came to a full circle that uh, he really fucking, you know, he ends up in a casino in Macau or something like in mm-hmm. that end of the season. But I think <laughs> people came around and understood what they're trying to do with this character. And um, yeah, it actually was a blessing in disguise because my part got a little bigger and... Uh, you know, the show went on and, and we were we were just fine, I guess. Mm, you know? Yeah. Did you feel like there was a tension on set with TJ during the during the making of the show? Because there it seems like that from what people said. But I know, you know you, I, you've I, always I, said I you think, got along well with them. So I wasn't sure what, how you feel. I think whatever it. you guys have read is more than what I could tell you. Uh, yeah. All I could tell you from my perspective was um, every scene I had with TJ, he was great. Uh, mm. And he was a great friend to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I mean, I didn't even know, but I think according to those articles, because I'm not on set that much, you know, compared yeah. to the guys, they're there every mm-hmm. day. I'm there maybe twice, three times a week. Yeah. And I think there are some probably stuff going on according to what mm-hmm. they wrote, but not to me, to me, he's been nothing but sweet. Mm-hmm. And uh, to other people, I can't speak to that, you know? I don't yeah. Know. yeah. Yeah. Are you still in touch with them? You're still friends? Yeah. 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 Um, so one thing that we touched on, uh, and I know it's something else that you've spoken a little bit about before, is the you know the accent that your character had, and that mm-hmm. some people, you know, there's just there's just differing views, and people feel like, um, you know, there are some Asian American actors or Indian American actors who won't audition with an accent sure. if they don't have one, and they don't want to do mm-hmm. that. Um, and I think famously there was that episode of Master of None, Aziz Ansari's show called Indians on TV, where they really explored that. <laughs> Sure. Um, I don't know if you saw that, um, but is that something that you've that you've thought about, um, you know, in your career as you move forward? If you do, you feel any differently about it now than you than you did I when think you started? So. I think I'm allowed to feel differently about it now because there's a choice for me. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm in a position where I could tell people, "Hey, I don't want to do this. Let's find another thing." Mm-hmm. But in the beginning, especially like I said before, I never thought of myself as an actor, so I wasn't yeah. precious with any role. I didn't mm-hmm. think anything farther than just being funny because that was my job as a stand-up, as a comedian, and then maybe turn into a comedic actor. So I knew it was a funny character, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And I knew there was something bigger there because I saw the original pilot. So it mm-hmm. wasn't just those two, two or three lines. And luckily, he definitely became more and more of a three-dimensional character. But, yeah. you know, season one, I don't think he was a three-dimensional character. And mm-hmm. you could see him as kind of like a lackey boy that got kind of bullied. And yeah. it could be offensive to some of the Asian community. I get that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think luckily he turned a corner. And it's, to me, at the end of the day, it's never about the accent. I think I still mm-hmm. have somewhat of an accent. I came here when I was an immigrant. I have an accent. So mm-hmm. my point of view is a little different 
than the Asian people that were born here. Right. But I get the argument. I absolutely get it. You know, mm. because it's not because you can't play an accented character. You know, mm. it's because we don't have that much representation out there. So every Asian character that you see on TV amplifies by tenfold, like the mm-hmm. Apu character, you know, yeah. back in the day, there was no Indian character. So mm-hmm. the Apu was the only person, right? Yeah. But I think, you know, uh, playing the Jing Yang character allow me to be in something like Crazy Rich Asians, allow me mm-hmm. to have my own platform, allow me to have something now in Space Force, right? Yeah. So uh, I think that character, at the end of the day, I still love Jing Yang very much. Mm. And I think he was a very three-dimensional character. And now I don't think I would do somebody with an accent, just purely a career thing, because I want to show I can do more mm-hmm. than that. Yeah. It's not because I'm opposed to it. A- after that, in Patriot's Day, I played mm. a man with an accent, but he's yeah. based on real-life character who became right. kind of like a hero in the real Boston Marathon bombing. Nobody mm-hmm. says shit about that. Yeah. Because first that's of all, a real that's person, drama. Yeah. I, I think mm-hmm. I did pretty good in that. And mm-hmm. it's a real person and he's a real freaking hero. You know yeah. what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's a very nuanced conversation. It's not just accent, no accent. I think it's a, a, the three-dimensional uh, mm-hmm. of the character. I don't I don't think by season five, by season six, nobody was talking mm-hmm. shit about Jing Yang, yeah. really. Yeah. It's in the beginning, there was some worries, some mm-hmm. growing pains. And I get that. Um, but yeah. Was there ever a moment uh, or a part in a script of Silicon Valley that you had to sort of say like, hey, you know, maybe we don't want to do that or this feels too stereotypical in a bad way or anything like that? I, I ooh, Now I think about it, I think there was. Uh, and if there was, they were very receptive to it. Even mm-hmm. day one I'm when sure I they wasn't were, a regular because yeah. um, uh, Jing Yang was an immigrant character. That's how they wrote mm-hmm. it. Uh, and then the first day on set i was nervous and uh, you know i asked mike judge i was like do you want me to do a cantonese accent mm-hmm. like as if i'm kind of from hong kong or a mainland china accent that's two very different accents yeah See, that's that's what i try to bring to the table some realness to it not just uh, a generic mickey rooney accent you yeah. know what i mean so and mike was i mean he's a great guy he was like oh i didn't even know yeah i'm sure he didn't even think about that yeah, yeah so do whatever you feel right you mm. do it. So he put a lot of trust in me day one. Mm. So I was like, let's do a Mandarin accent more. Uh, so you can tell, actually, in the episode one, he had kind of like a hybrid accent. Mm-hmm. But then he became definitely more of a Mandarin accent. Because it yeah. made more sense for him to come from mainland China than Hong Kong. Because Hong Kong is a little more, uh, uh, um, most people can speak better English at that age, you know, mm-hmm. than people from mainland, I think. So I thought it would be more interesting choice for him to be somewhere from mainland. And uh, yeah, they trust me in that. And I think if, I don't remember if there was any conversation like that, uh, mm-hmm. of like, oh, this is too offensive or this is not good or whatever. Yeah. But if there was, I, you know, they're very receptive to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned uh, Space Force, uh, which I, I, I got to see the first few episodes of, nice. um, which is, it's so funny <clears throat> and you're, you're great in it and everyone's really funny in it. Um, so what was, what was that experience like for you? You know, working, working with Steve Carell, John Malkovich. That's an incredible was, show, yeah. dude. I mean, now in my career, I've worked with some like cool people, mm-hmm. but I mean, to work with Steve Carell and John Malkovich, that was the first day on set too. Oh yeah. my God. And most of my scenes are with them and mm-hmm. it was, they were just legendary, but luckily they're literally two of the nicest people in Hollywood. And John, as kind of mythical of a creature as he is, right? He's just mm-hmm. a dude and he loves to tell stories and he's just the nicest man. Same with Steve, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so they immediately put you at ease and 
the next thing you know, you're just working with two actors that are really, really good. And sometimes mm-hmm. I still, I, I lose myself, like say some scenes in like that launch room in Space Force. Mm-hmm. I'm just sitting there and they're going at it. And I'm just like, I, I can't believe I'm watching this. It's like a freaking <laughs> like masterclass. And I'm just trying yeah. to learn from those guys, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they're the sweetest, coolest people. And yeah. it's an incredible show. I've seen the first six episodes uh, on like an advanced screener. Yeah. And it's shot beautifully. The humor's all there and the cast is insane, man. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, sometimes I think uh, uh, a lot of times they do a big budget show that has a huge cast and then it's kind of disappointing. You know, you're mm-hmm. like, oh, I wish they would have done better with those people. But yeah. man, this cast is everything as promised. If you yeah. think Steve Carell and John Malkovich, what that could be, and, and I'm so freaking excited about it. So what I want to do now is uh, kind of go back and look at a, a couple other moments from your from your career so far, mm-hmm. and uh, and see if there's a story or memory that pops to mind. Sure. I actually wanted to start um, with this is not something that you that you performed in, but uh, I read that Mike Judge uh, gave your commencement speech at, absolutely uh, at UCSD. So what was what what do you remember from man, that? That's my guy, man. Mike Judge, dude. He went to UCSD just like I did. Mm-hmm. And it's not like a Hollywood school. It's not like UCLA or USC, right? Not a mm-hmm. lot of people going to entertainment. And he was a physics major. Mm-hmm. I think he ended up programming and making silicon chips in the original Silicon Valley in yeah. uh, the 80s. And then he's, in his commencement speech, he said he hated it. And then he ended up being a touring bassist, like a professional mm-hmm. bluegrass bassist. Yeah. <laughs> and then he drew Beavers a butthead. I mean, the guy's fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. But that speech honestly really spoke to me, man, because mm-hmm. I was an economics major. I wanted to do music. I had a minor in music and I think one class short of a minor in theater. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always want to do some creative, but my major is in economics because that's what is acceptable in my family, you know? Yeah. So that speech, hearing somebody who was a physics major who didn't have no Hollywood connections making it, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. this is so cool. And then six years after that, that was my first day at table read with him. <laughs> and I went up to him. I was like, hey, Mike, you know, uh, you were my commencement speaker at UCSD, man. Thank you for that. He was like, oh, yeah, yeah that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> and, and I think since since then, we had a special connection. And he's just like mm-hmm. a dude, man. He's just like a home. Yeah. Like when you go out with him, he doesn't ever think he's Mike Judge. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just drinks like Bud Lights and whatever. And like we yeah. kicked it, you know, and uh, we're still like really good friends. And um He's just a great down to earth guy. That same guy that I think graduated UCSD with a physics degree, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's not Hollywood at all. So I love the guy. Yeah. Uh, you made your, your late night stand up debut, I believe, on the, the Arsenio Hall show. Yeah, Is sir. That right? Yeah. Yeah. What was that like? <laughs> it was great. I was nervous. It was a last minute cancellation. Somebody else canceled. Oh, they really? called me on a Wednesday. They're like, hey, man. And you perform on Friday. I was like, uh, hell yeah, dude. Uh, so I was kind of nervous. I ran my mm-hmm. set at uh, the Laugh Factory. Like, which five minutes should I do? It's only a five-minute set, mm-hmm. right? And it was my first late-night debut, my TV debut doing stand-up. So I was super nervous. But the thing is, I didn't have too much time to be nervous because I only had two mm-hmm. days to prep for yeah. it. Just kind I of a blessing, it. probably. <laughs> yeah, man. I did it, man. I was so nervous coming out. And then I got my first laugh, and I was doing well. Because mm-hmm. uh, most of this audience, the dog pound, it's a black audience. I've done a lot yeah. of black shows coming up. And mm-hmm. all you got to do is get through the first part. Because if you go yeah. up nervous in front of a black audience, you're dead, right? Yeah. But if you go up confidence, you're doing your thing, they love you. And like, like, it's nothing better than a black audience reaction. It's so fun. so cool. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, they were all behind me. And then at the end, I got a standing ovation, man. That was awesome. Yeah, that must and, have felt uh, good. Yeah, Arsenio was so nice. He was like, man, you killed this. After this, you're never going to talk to me again because you're going to be successful <laughs> like whatever. I was like, come on, man. And then um, he, and he was like, we'd love to come you to come back like season two or whatever. I was like, yeah, thank you for this. You know, of course, I'll come back to season two. Uh, mm-hmm. He was promised season two um, on a syndicated show. I was on that show on a Friday. It aired on a Friday. He got canceled the next Monday. Oh, so so it's your, so it was your fault. It was absolutely my fault. Yeah. Um, my, <laughs> my my buddy made me this poster. Actually, I, yeah. I don't have the poster, but I'll show you the magnet version. Yeah. Oh, I can send you this image. I think uh, there's this <laughs> magnet version. Uh, can you see that? Yeah, yeah. That just says that uh, you, <laughs> you got Arsenio got, oh. canceled. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I got Arsenio canceled again, but I've seen yeah. him since, and he's been. No, you were you were road. so he's you were so good that they thought you know we can't can't top that. Give it up for Jimmy O'Yang, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Arsenio. How are you guys doing? Lovely. It's amazing, amazing to be here, man. Thank you guys so much for coming. It is amazing. It's great. The weather is hot outside, man. I just came in for the AC, and they told me to stay for the comedy, so it's good. <laughs> I love being in Los Angeles, man. I've been going to the beach. It's great. But one thing I can never do, I can never take my shirt off at the beach. <laughs> Ladies, don't get me wrong. I'm in shape, okay? I'm in shape. This is an extra small, extra slim fit. <laughs> I'm in shape. But I'm just a small guy with really nice hair. So from the back, I look like a hot Asian chick. <laughs> and from the front, I look like a really hot Asian chick. You mentioned Patriots Day, which was a different kind of thing for you, drama. Absolutely. Um, any stories about uh, working with Mark Wahlberg? Wahlberg was great, man. Uh, I've only had one day with him on set. Most of my story mm. was my own story. Yeah. Um, and I spent a whole month in Boston. First of all, Peter Berg, one of the yeah. best directors I've ever worked with. He's like mm-hmm. really an actress director. He doesn't give you yeah. no marks. He lets you improvise. And he's talking to you through his microphone while he's directing you. It's really mm-hmm. cool. And he shoots fast, man. It's freaking yeah. awesome. So he's still one of my favorite directors today. And I guess the day I worked with Wahlberg, it was, it, it was cool, man. Like he just, you know, he got his crew. He shows up, but he's like a super nice guy. Very mm-hmm. wanted, intense, you know, which yeah. is great. Very laser focused. And then I think halfway through, like the first or second take, uh, after um, uh, after our take together, he turned around to Pete Berg. He was like, "Hey, Pete, you got a real fucking actor here, man." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh shit, great, great. That, that, that's my moment. That's my stamp of approval." Uh, but yeah, that's he's what you want to hear. Yeah, he's a yeah. good dude. <laughs> um, you got to do a, a voice on The Simpsons, which is oh, huge for anyone. Man, that was a dream. Dude. What was that like? That was a dream, man. They called me. I couldn't believe it. And um, apparently they were all big fans of Silicon Valley, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, the coolest part, the recording was cool. And then I hung out with them. I even had dinner with Al Jean afterwards and like mm-hmm. everything. That was amazing because Simpsons, one of my favorite shows. Yeah. Um, but the and best you're, part. You're the, yeah. The best part was uh, I get to sit in on one of the table reads. Mm-hmm. And now I'm standing in by any table where I go sit in. And yeah. I mean, everyone. That's insane. Man, it's Cartwright, yeah. like Dan Castle. Like everyone was just doing all the voices. And it was yeah. so 
freaking <laughs> incredible. And I brought two of my buddies. They're like, yeah, bring your friends. And I was like, yeah. yo, I could charge somebody a hundred grand. Yeah. And they would fucking come with me. And these motherfuckers get to come for free, <laughs> you know? Uh, and it was so awesome. That was mind blowing to see some, yeah. you know, basically your favorite characters growing up come mm. to life. Um, yeah. So that was, yeah, absolutely one of still the best experiences in my life. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then, of course, we have to talk about uh, Crazy Rich Asians, which Absolutely. is, which is yeah. incredible and, um, you know, such a huge movie for for you and, and for everybody involved. Um, so what when you think about your time, you know, making that movie on the mm -hmm. set, what kind of what what memories pop out or what, man. What, what do you think about? That was life changing, man, because I think going in, I didn't know what to expect. I thought it was just another movie. I was proud. Sure. Like, like I get it on paper. Like, okay, it's mm -hmm. the first all-Asian cast in Australia. Like, I, I, I mentally get it, but I didn't feel it until I got there. And then mm -hmm. these were all the people I wanted to meet, you know, yeah. in the acting world. You know, like uh, uh, Constance, I haven't met before. Aquafina, I never met. And then internationally, you got Gemma Chan from London. Mm -hmm. You know, Sonoy Mizuno from London. Uh, Remy and Chris from Australia. Mm -hmm. And we all gathered. It's like the Avengers of Asians <laughs> gathering in Singapore. Yeah. And it was freaking amazing. And and I just remember a lot of it is food experiences. Of course, you got mm -hmm. amazing food, just like they yeah. showed in the movie. And we're mm -hmm. eating that every day. And there was no arguments. Yeah. Nobody had no dietary restrictions. Yeah. Asian people don't <laughs> fuck with that. You just go out. You know, you don't have to explain to people how to eat a crab. You know, everybody knows. Mm -hmm. You know, so mm -hmm. everybody kind of grew up the same. And it was just like this common understanding. I was no longer just the only one Asian guy trying to fit in with everyone mm -hmm. on a set. Mm -hmm. Or like the foreign kid in school trying to fit in. Mm. Now I I I am the people with the people, and yeah. that felt so special, man. I just remember standing in the lobby waiting for a bus one day. I'm like, man, if the audience could feel just a, a one bit of this camaraderie, this happiness that we felt, this joy that we felt, mm -hmm. it's gonna be a success. Yeah, and and I think that's exactly what happened. It's the love that everyone put into this movie the camaraderie, you can see the bonding, the fun that we were having. And it was just an incredible experience. And I think that is my creed. I found my creed, you know, mm, and we're yeah. still best friends. Anytime yeah. any of those people come in town, you know, they can crash in my place. We hang out, you know, obviously <laughs> we couldn't hang out now, but you know, what's yeah. funny, funny you mentioned that tonight we're doing a live tweet of the whole oh, cast yeah. and everything. And John Chu, we're doing a live tweet of crazy rich Asians as the audience watch with us. And we're going to mm. do a zoom party. That's so fun. even a year and a half after the movie, two years after the movie, we're still best friends and we're still all hanging out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's great. It's great. That was, that was probably the best experience shooting something, the most meaningful the, for sure. When, when's the sequel happening? I don't know. I guess they're still writing a break in it. And I'm sure the yeah. pandemic is not helping the process. Right. So I have no idea. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for uh, it though. Cool. Uh, so we end every episode by asking uh, comedians, who is uh, a, a comic who has made you laugh the hardest in your life? Mm. Could be somebody you worked you worked with, or somebody that you just you know love watching. Uh, oh perform. man, Dave Chappelle for sure. I mean, the mm -hmm. joy that he's brought all of us throughout the years. I mean, his very first special, you know, about seeing the crack baby in the corner. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on, man, because that wasn't just that immediate laugh. That was yeah. the cultural impact. Like everybody mm -hmm. was talking about it in mm -hmm. school. We would quote him, you know, yeah. like I'm rich, bitch. Like, of course, that's Daniel <laughs> Rollins, who I get to know yeah. years later. Um, and just the different stuff. It's like, it's like, 
uh, like middle stuff will quote just not grow. It's like this motherfucker want to race, like motherfucker want to race, you know, like that was from the stand up, and that was so cool. And of course, like I said, George Lopez, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, stuff that he said was so funny. It's like, uh, like I just remember in high school when we, after we watched his uh, uh, special, I forgot. It's the one before Tall, Dark, and Chicano. It's the one that was right before that when and when he was like, uh, I got a pain on my chest and I can't breathe. <laughs> Like all that stuff, it was so quotable, and it became yeah. part of my childhood growing up, mm-hmm. you know. And then the different accent he was doing with the ordering from Jack in the Box. He's like, "Welcome to Jack in the Box. Can I help you?" You know. And I'm like, <laughs> so funny. Like every time I go to Jack in the Box, I still think about that. So those are the things that I think really shaped not just yeah. you know my comedy, but like my life, my childhood, and and I love those guys, you know. Yeah. Well, I think people will be quoting your your special as well. So, uh, so I hope so, my that. friend. I hope so. All right. Thank you so much to Jimmy O. Yang for being my guest on today's show. His new stand-up special, Good Deal, is streaming now on Amazon Prime Video, and we'll put a link to it in the description for this episode as well. And definitely check out Space Force when it premieres on Netflix later this month. Also, make sure to keep an eye on this feed, where we will be posting a very special bonus episode on Friday. If you like this show, please tell your friends and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at thedailybeast.com. And if you're not already, please follow at Last Laugh Pod on Instagram. The Last Laugh is distributed by Acast for The Daily Beast with audio production by Red Rock Music. Our theme music is by Claude, who you can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. You can find this show every week on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you very soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.